I struggle with that. I'll be honest. I do. I struggle with that. I struggle with the idea of people want to buy my book. Prime example, uh, and, I, and I know this for a fact, I've seen this. Um, I gave someone a book of mine um, at one point. It was an ebook. Um, at the time, I had to put it on a CD so that they could take it home, put it in their computer, and upload it and read it that way. We were at a gathering, and she had the book in her hand. Like, she had the CD in her hand. We were chit-chatting away with some other people. And she threw it in the garbage right in front of me. And I'm like whoa, what? But it really kind of, now it makes sense because I had given it to her. I didn't charge her for the book. Mm -hmm. So she didn't feel like there was any value when she threw it away, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's, that's a a mindset that we as authors sometimes overlook. And I think for moms, it's twice as, it's twice as bad. If you're a busy mom, but you have writing goals and dreams that you're working on, this podcast is here to help you achieve them. My name is Jackie, and I'm a mother and an author of a self-published young adult novel and a firm believer in the power of moms to create. This podcast is about finding inspiration and insight. It's about learning new ways to fuel your writing and to share your writing with the world. And sometimes, actually all the time, it's about taking a moment to just laugh at and appreciate everyday chaos that is being a writing mother. Hey guys, it's Jackie. Welcome to another episode of These Mums, Right? And today we're going to be talking about the M word, marketing. I know after I self-published my debut novel that trying to get people to actually read my work was so much more work. I was getting no results that I just gave up writing altogether. And I know that I'm not alone in that. Marketing is a scary thing for a lot of us writing moms. It feels like there's too much to know and too much to do. Luckily, Patricia Bates, today's guest, knows a lot about marketing. And when I asked her if she would kindly dump 13 years worth of accumulated knowledge from her brain into ours, she was like, yeah, sure. Patricia is a Canadian author who writes dark and edgy historical romances and contemporary suspense romances. She first published her book in 2008, Master's Mistress, which was an immediate hit. And since then, she has gone on to write over two dozen books. Patricia also has a podcast, Adventures in Self-Publishing, a business, creating book covers for other authors, and she just seems to be in every online group that you can think of. She has taken all the things and is so incredibly humble and generous with her knowledge. If you have ever felt worried about the marketing side of writing, then this conversation is the crash course in mom-friendly writing marketing that you need to hear. Without further ado, please welcome Patricia Bates. Hello, Patricia. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. You write historical and contemporary romance. So can you tell me, like, what drew you to that genre? What are you excited about now? What are you writing? Um, I've I've always been into writing uh, as far back as I can remember. Um, Historical has always been my, my jam, so to speak, because I love history. I love the whole, you know... The, the costumes and the clothes and the different cultures and all that stuff. So um, I originally started writing histor- uh, historicals. Um, the first book that I ever actually got published was a historical. And then um, I thought it would be a challenge to do contemporary. 
And so I challenged myself to start writing contemporary and uh, it kind of spilled over. Um, so now I do contemporary and uh, historical. Currently I am in the process of, I'm sorry, I have, I have dogs. My husband's walking around outside. Um, <laughs> The Roman series from the Shadows of Rome is a dark, gritty, uh, savage ride through ancient Rome that will keep you on the edge of your seat and grab you by grab your soul and hang on. Literally, the second one, the the Highland Brides, that one, um, and I'm still in that. I'm still working on this one, but that one is going to be. It's going to be a fast action piece passionate wild ride in the Scottish Highlands with uh, strong female leads and amazing alpha heroes who love them. That sounds really exciting because I know your your podcast is called Adventures in Self-Publishing. So did you yeah. publish all of those independently or did you have, are you a mix? I am. Um, I'm actually a hybrid author. Um, the From the Shadows of Rome is completely self-published. Um, and the Highland Bride series is also going to be self-published. Um, I've actually formed my own publishing house, PV Publications, for my own work. Um, I, I do have other titles that are still under contract by publishing houses, uh, but I'm I'm not going to be going through any other houses. Uh, I've been I've been in the publishing industry for almost 14 years now. And I, I've pretty much done everything. I've done editing. I've done um, marketing, promotion. Um, I've done. I mean, I've even been a publisher myself. So I, I feel confident that in in my skills, my writing, and and that that I have enough supports in place to actually be able to do it on my own. And I like the control of, of indie publishing as well. I, I don't want to have to wait a year for a title to come out or, you know, have to beg and plead to put it on sale or do or do any promotions with it, do ads or anything along those lines. And when you're traditionally published, it can be a bit of a challenge, especially if you're looking at doing ads, unfortunately. So that's an interesting choice that you've made to... Yep. Can you tell me more about like what motivated you? Would it be mainly the control over marketing? I think it was the control over every aspect. Um, I want to be able to do it on my terms. I don't want to have to worry about, you know, time frame. I want to write a book this month, edit it, get it published and polished and ready for release in two months. I want to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and when you're traditionally, it, that makes it, it's very hard to actually do that. Another factor was I actually had a publisher that I've been with for a decade um, has actually just closed their doors um, because they they just it just wasn't feasible for them any longer. So unfortunately, when that happened, it was just it was kind of like that last little push. The marketing aspect of it wasn't necessarily the the big push because even with traditional publishing, you're still doing I'd say probably ninety five percent of the marketing. In my experience, you know you're, the author is required to do the majority, if not all. You know, I mean ninety five percent of the marketing, and and. Coming at it from a publisher standpoint, I completely get that because you're not you're not promoting a single title. You're promoting the entire library that, that, that you have. So, yeah, it makes it a little bit challenging to, to be able to do that, especially if you're a smaller press. If you've got a big one like, say, Penguin or Harper House, yeah, those ones, they can afford to you know spend a huge amount of money promoting a single author. 
So I was already doing the majority of the marketing. I was already, you know, doing my own thing. And, and then when the publisher closed and with what I've learned earlier this year, it was just like, you know, and I'm, I'm seeing success. I have to admit, I am seeing success. I'm seeing traction for, I'm growing traction. I'm, I'm seeing sales. Um, so in that sense, yeah, it's, it was a tough choice, but I think it was the right choice for me. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, you seem to have really equipped yourself well with marketing, which I know, especially for moms that are writing off the side of their many, many responsibilities is so overwhelming. And so like, yes. tell me, like, how did you get there? I know you have a background in publishing, but where I, did you start? I have a background in, um, I actually have a background in business. Um, and then I moved into the publishing realm. And when I first started the, with my, with my first book, I had to learn the ropes of how to, you know, how to sell the books, how to connect with people. And it's an ever changing process. You know, what works 10 years ago may not work today. Um, and sometimes it actually, it doesn't, I'll be honest with you. You know, what worked 10 years ago does not work today because <laughs> we've made such huge strides in, in platforms and those sorts of things. Um, but I think for me, it was, it was just that whole aspect of the more I know, you know, the more I can, I can learn then I can set myself up for success. Um, I, I'm one of the, I'm, I'm one of those authors too, who I promote other authors. I am a firm believer in, we are not competition. We are all in the same boat. We can share readers. I mean, I, I have a bookshelf that is full of, of authors and multiple authors. I don't just stick with one. I, I'm a, I, I'm not, you know, I have my one click authors, but you know, if there's an author that I love, I'm going to grab a book, whether it's, you know, so I, I like to be able to help other authors. And to do that, I thought, you know, let's learn everything that we can because, you know, there are authors that are coming into this that have no background, no experience in marketing. And, you know, if I can give them some pointers and I can give them some help, then, you know, it really is beneficial. So um, for me, it, the marketing aspect for, for it honestly was two pronged. It was to help myself make sales, of course, because, hey, that's what I'm here for. That's my business. But it was also to network and to build connections with other authors in various genres to help them as well. Because, um, like I said, I, I like to help other authors, you know, I, I don't believe that we can get through this, that we can make our careers successful and get to the, get to our, our end goals without having networking, without having other authors in our book. Because being an author can be a very lonely experience too, because mm -hmm. you have friends and family that don't get it, that don't understand why you're spending six, eight, 10 hours in front of a computer. You know, they figure, well, you know, you should be able to go to dinner or do this or that, and they don't get it. It really does make it harder. So having people that are in your corner as well, that understand where you're coming from when you say, oh my God, my character is driving me crazy. They just won't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it really does it really does help so how do you approach marketing for books i try to have fun with it as much as possible but tracking your your data tracking your sales tracking to see what's working you have to do that as well um because if you don't you're not going to see that you're you're not going to have any idea what your return on investment is i mean you could be making a million dollars and lose money 
um, if you don't know where, you know, what's working and what's not. Um, mm. So I, I like to try everything at least once and mm. see if it works. Uh, if it works great, I'll continue working with it. If it doesn't, well, then it's just, that's cut my losses and move on. Um, there's not enough hours in the daytime with family. Um, I also work outside of the house and I also work um, as my, I'm a graphic designer. I do covers for other authors as well. So it makes it, you know, so I have to be able to um, keep multiple balls in the air. So I have to really be sure that what I'm doing is going to work. And if it doesn't work, then there's no point me spending time on it. Oh, you have a lot going on. Um, and so are there certain, so you mentioned things that you try. I've heard um, Facebook, Amazon, Readsy, or, or, or is that what you're, you're meaning? Like trying things out? Um, I, I have Facebook groups. Um, they're not performing as well as I would like, um, but I, I'm following all of the, this is what you should do to get them in, you know, but getting people to engage is, is tricky. I'm finding great success with my newsletter. Uh, I just actually cleaned my newsletter subscribers list um, and removed inactive um, members off there. And I'm, so I'm finding, uh, I'm finding good success with my newsletters. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the greatest ways for me personally to connect with readers, because when I sit down to do a newsletter, I'm not sitting down to, Oh, buy my book. I'm sitting down to write a letter to a friend. And mm. to me, that's how I look at it. And I mean, I want to give them that sense of, of purpose, that sense of connectiveness, but I also want to make sure that they're up to date on what I'm working on, what's coming out. Um, if I'm doing giveaways, if I'm doing contests, um, all sorts of things like that. Those usually go into the newsletter. If I'm spotlighting other authors as well, I do that as well. So uh, I'll throw that into the newsletter. I want to make it so that, you know, it's like them sitting down at my kitchen table and having a cup of coffee, except without the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a, a powerful channel, which I like because I feel like sometimes when there's so much focus on the different platforms for ads, it can be kind of overwhelming. Whereas a newsletter, yes. like, right, that's, that's something that everyone can do. And it, it is meaningful. Yes. And it's also, um, it's also a platform that you have 100% control over. There is value to social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, you know, all of these other things. I think that there is a massive amount of, of benefit to them. Uh, but there are authors out there who do not have a social media presence at all and are still knocking the sales out of the park. So I think having control over a platform where you can connect with your readers directly is incredibly valuable. And your newsletter and your website are the two main ones that you are going, you have 100% control over. And I think that, you know, that really helps to build your brand, to understand, you know, so your readers can pick up the, your newsletter, they can take a look at your social media, whatever it is, they can look at it and go, boom, done, this is who I'm getting. I know exactly who this person is. They're, you know, they're fun, they're, you know, they're helpful, they're, they're warm and, and inviting and, you know, they're open to, to feedback or open to me reaching out to them. And so I think that's really important to consider when you're looking at your, your promotional and your marketing campaigns. Um, Ad-wise, um, there are three that I, I swear by. Um, 
book club is very expensive, but from everything that I have learned about it, the return on investment is often really good. It's often greater than what you anticipate. Amazon ads, I am trying to master. Um, seeing some success, I've seen good numbers for impressions. Uh, my clicks is, is increasing. My sales for my clicks is increasing. So I'm, I'm learning um, them. Facebook ads, I, I'm still, I'm on the fence about, uh, but it's just simply because I just don't know enough about them um, to make them work. Um, and Facebook ads and, and Instagram ads are both kind of on the same platform because they're owned by the same company. So it makes it a little bit trickier that way because you want to be sure that you're delivering on both on both um, platforms, right? Your Facebook and Instagram. Um, so, but again, knowledge, 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 you know, taking the free courses that are out there, um, you know, like Brian Cohen's courses on Amazon ads, um, Mark Dawson's courses on Amazon ads, arming yourself with as much knowledge as you can and really understanding, you know, your goal, your end goals is, is huge. So, and marketing can give you that. Marketing can give you that glimpse into what you want versus what you need. Um, can you tell me more about that? Marketing can give you what you want rather than what you know, what you need. You, <laughs> you, you said it better. You said it better, Patricia. Um, so, uh, so in my in in my experience. Marketing can give you, you know, it can give you the sales that you want. It can give you, you know, it can give you the exposure, etc. But it also can give you what you need. It can give you the opportunity to build your brand. It can give you the opportunity to connect with others, not just readers, not just other authors, but influencers. It can give you the chance to really see the, the insides out and when you're serious about marketing and you're serious about and you you understand what your end goal is so if you're writing as a hobbyist you know where you're maybe not thinking of it in terms of this is my career and i want to make you know i want to make ten thousand dollars a month you know marketing may seem like this insurmountable challenge that you really aren't that into but if it's a business and it's your career that you want to build, I firmly believe that marketing is the tool to actually get you where you need to be and give you the information to make solid business decisions that allow you to grow your empire and grow your author brand. Um, if you don't do marketing, you're not going to know how what your numbers are. If you don't understand, you know, like if you don't do the marketing and the promotion, and you don't track track your your ads and you know and see how much interaction you get on your Facebook takeovers and your your um, blog tours and those sorts of things. If you don't track that, you don't have that vital piece of information that you really need. Um, to actually make solid decisions to say, well, you know, this this book, I really, really, really love this book. It's a book from my heart, but it's not making me any money. So what do I need to do? How can I how can I fix this? I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm going to use uh, the chance of Rome, the, the Roman series um, right now. Uh, this is a struggle that I am I'm going through because it's not it's not a super trendy genre. It's not a super trendy niche. It's a very it's very fine-tuned um, in the sense that there's not a lot of um, Roman and gladiator romance other than sci-fi, but we won't go there just yet, um, that are out there. There are other authors who are out there that do write in ancient Rome that are doing great, that, you know, 
But the thing is, is it, it's a very small market. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's pretty much going to be an uphill battle all the way. I mean, can I see success with it? Yes, I can. And I, I you know, I mean, it's going to take a lot for me to do that. But it also means that there's a lot of work ahead of me. And so do I want to push through and actually, you know, slog my way through that jungle to begin with the cut trail to, to see success? Or do I want to, you know, say, okay, well, you know, I'm seeing sales. It's not what I would like to see. I'm not seeing the numbers that I want to see. So let's figure out what I can do and see what could make me money. What could be making me that solid income every month and generate those sales. Um, and you can have something that's written to market. But if your market is super, super small, it's going to be a big, big challenge. And that's what I'm finding with my Roman series is because it's a dark, gritty, you know, in your face, emotional roller coaster of a series. It's not necessarily that perfect escapism. And mm-hmm. so it's not really um, a wide market. It's not written to the, the majority of the market. It's written to the very narrow slice of the pie. Um, which is not is not necessarily a bad thing. It just mm-hmm. means that there's more work to actually getting it out there and getting people interested in finding readers that's going to buy it. Um, whereas with the Scottish one, the Scottish series probably is going to do far better simply because it is one of the hot trends that are going right now. And Scottish Highlander romances are one of those evergreen genre, subgenres and historical genre that consistently make money. Um, so it's a business decision. And had I not done the marketing, had I not looked at my numbers and, and actually followed through on that, I probably would not have realized. I wouldn't. I would have been doing what I, I I've been doing for the last ten years, which is writing standalones, which is you know just throwing it up there and seeing if it if it sells great. If it doesn't, well, I'll move on to the next one and just write from a, you know the the heart. Because I had this mis, misconception in my brain of writing to market was very formulaic and it was very stale and, and boring and, and I woke up this year with my if I want to be making a self living at it I need to focus my energy on what I know is going to make money and that means I have to write to market. So that was a big insight that you had which is shifting your reluctance from the idea of writing something that you know will sell to yeah to, to embracing that and, and writing yeah. to what you know people a wider audience would buy. Yes. And, and I, I see a lot of authors, uh, you know, on Facebook and on social media, they're, they're talking about their writing and they're talking about, you know, oh, well, I'm going to write this book and it's, it's going to be great. But I, I had a, I attended a webinar that was put on by Kobo uh, Writing, I think it was, was it Kobo Writing Life or, or Writing Aids? The presenter was talking about finding your readers, finding your market. And one of the things that she had said was, and it it really resonated with me because what she had said was, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, if you write a book about training frogs to jump through hoops, right, and there's only two people in the entire world who are interested in training frogs to jump through hoops, is that book going to make you money? No. No that is not going to be the case. Not unless everyone suddenly decides, well, hey, I need to train frogs to jump through hoops, but that's very unlikely. (laughs) So knowing what is selling, knowing what the market is there for, it's not a a cop-out by any stretch of the imagination. 
it's solid business. It's a mm -hmm. solid marketing decision because it's the language of money. If you are giving your the people that are looking for books the experience that they want, then you're going to make money. If you are selling an experience no one wants, yes, you have may have written the greatest book in the world, but if it's not selling and it's not coming and it's not connecting with the market, you're going to hear crickets. Um, and it's a hard lesson to learn. It is. It is a very very painful, antagonizing pull your hair out <laughs> lesson to learn. But once you've actually learned it and you, you come to accept it, it's so much more beneficial because then you can find, find your groove, you can find your lane. The thing is, and this is what, if I could give anyone this one piece of advice, this would be it. Write to market, build your reader base. Once you have your reader base and you mm. have your super fans, Guess what? You can write anything. You could write. You could write out a laundry list, and people will buy it. Your super fans will buy it simply because you have built up that experience that they know. You know, um, writing to market is simply writing in a way that is going to resonate, that is going to generate sales. It is not a cop out. It is mm. not formulatic. It is not any of those things. It's seeing what the market wants and meeting that need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that too, because it really resonates with this idea that I've been grappling with lately about not feeling that earning money is a bad thing. And I think a lot of artists um, have that conception, like, yes. it, it's dirty to make money. So again, myself, when I published my first book, um, I would just like give it away. <laughs> If people, uh -huh. right, if people tried to pay me for it, I'd be like, no, no, it's cool. I'm a, and um, even now I still struggle with that. And, um, and I love what you're saying is, you know, it's, it's along that same line of thinking about money as energy and that it is an exchange. Yep. And I see this a lot with, with authors um, at all stages of the game, not just new authors, but, you know, with, with authors who are experienced that are constantly saying, well, I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be pitching my book to people. I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to get, you know, but here's the thing, you know, and this, this kind of really kind of hit home with me was if I want to make money, if I want to be able to survive on my writing, I need to look at it as I am not selling my writing. I'm not selling stories. I am selling an experience mm. and there is nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with asking someone to buy your book because the thing is, is it's, you're not, you're not, um, you're not necessarily trying, you know, being pushy about it or anything along those lines. When you ask someone to buy your book and they buy your book, you are giving them, you're giving them a product that has value. And oftentimes one of the things that I think that we struggle with as authors is valuing our time and our work. Um, you know, uh, because we don't, you know, it, like you said, it, it's just, oh, well, I'll just give it away. I'll give it away. Mm. I'll give it away. No, we, you know, and that's, that's great. If we've got, if we're running a contest or a giveaway of some sort, but if, if we're giving out copies of our books to everyone left, right, and center, where is the value? What is the, you know, what are we perpetuating to our readers in terms of value? Um, 
free is great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I have freebies. Um, I give freebies out with my newsletter periodically. Um, I've actually got a couple of books that I'm going to be giving out here free to my newsletter followers um, over the next couple of months. But mm -hmm. if you're just, if it's perma free and you're just, just here you go, here you go, here you go, you're not, you're not valuing yourself mm -hmm. and you have to value yourself before anyone else is going to value you. You have to value yourself and your value is worth the $2.99, the 99 cents, the $3.99 for your book, whatever your book is, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to overprice it to $10 for an ebook or something like that, but pricing it logically, pricing it to market to other indie authors who are, who are releasing, it just gives, it shows that you value yourself. And I think that's something that we as authors sometimes forget. It's taking me some time to wrap my mind around because I, I struggle with that. I'll be honest. I do. I struggle with that. I struggle with the idea of people want to buy my book, you know, as opposed to, well, you know, I'll skip it to them and, you know, they'll read it and maybe, you know, um, prime example. Uh, and I, and I know this for a fact, I've seen this. Um, I gave someone a book of mine um at one point it was an ebook um at the time i had to put it on a cd so that they could take it home put it in their computer and upload it and read it that way we were at a gathering and she had the book in her hand like she had the cd in her hand we were chit chatting away with some other people and she threw it in the garbage right in front of me and i'm like whoa what you know what you know if you didn't like it just could have given it back to me i could have given it to someone else but it really kind of, now it makes sense because I had given it to her. I didn't charge her for the book. Mm -hmm. So she didn't feel like there was any value when she threw it away, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that's, that's a, a mindset that we as authors sometimes overlook. Um, and I think for moms, it's twice as, it's twice as bad, honestly, because I don't know about you, but my kid gets everything first. I mean, I could be walking out of my shoes and my kid will go, I need new shoes. He gets new shoes before I do, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, even as moms, as, as authors, as women, before we put on any other hat in the morning, you know, because we all wear a million hats, before we put on any other hat, we need to put the hat on that says, I have value. My work is important. My work has value. Because if we don't, we often undervalue ourselves. And when we start undervaluing ourselves, that's when we become almost complacent in our own promotion, um, in our own promoting of our work and our books. I really like what you're saying about not being complacent in our own promotion. And that needs to start with identifying, recognizing that we have value. Can you tell me a little bit more? Well, and I'm going to use, I'm using myself here as an example. I, I tend to... Um, bend over backwards, I will turn myself into a pretzel to promote another author. I will. And I have been like that forever in a day. I'm, I'm always eager to, to share someone's post. But when it comes to my own work, I'm very much of the, um, you know, I'll stand in the middle of the crowded stadium with a little flag and go, I'm mm. here. Um, and so I, I often, um, I'm my own worst enemy. I sabotage myself because I'm constantly doubting whether I'm, you know, you know, am I spamming someone? Am I, am, am I 
you know, clearing up my feet unnecessarily with all these spammy posts about my books and, mm. and about pictures of the dogs and the cats and the, the bunnies. And, you know, and my, you know, so I think, you know, it's, you have to be able to look at it in the, the bigger picture and, and really understand that, no, you are not, you are not spamming people. Um, look at your numbers, look at your algorithms. Um, I think right now the, um, Facebook is a prime example. I think only 6% of your posts are actually being seen by group members, mm. um, which means that out of, you know, if you've got 100 people in your in your group, only six people are seeing them. So, and people as a whole, they require multiple exposures before they're going to buy. Mm. So only six people are seeing it and they're maybe seeing it once you're not going to see any sales you're not going to see connection because people aren't seeing it people aren't getting that chance to have that exposure and 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 make that decision and feel like they're they're getting something you know they're not getting that fomo you know fear of missing out moments where you know they're like they're not thinking oh my god i have to i have to have that book because if i don't i'm going to miss out on something so i think that's really important um and, and I'm learning slowly um, not to be hard on myself, not to be uh, sabotage myself by by refusing to look at the the whole picture. You know, the marketing and the promotion is just a simply another piece in the puzzle of the business. And if I want to see sales, if I want to, you know, if I want to make enough in this next four days to be able to go and get my hair done and get my nails done, then I'm going to have to promote. I'm going to have to push that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, that means I have to actually engage with people and and connect with people and try and find super fans and take fans that are just finding me and making them into super fans and one quick fan that are going to help me promote the groups, that are going to help me promote and promote and promote. Um, because word of mouth is is still the biggest way of promoting your work is, is having someone who's a fan go into a group and say, hey, you know, someone's looking for, for such and such a genre. Well, hey, you know, so-and-so's book, you gotta check it out. It's awesome. It's good. Get going to take every single box it's going to be your next book boyfriend you know and so (laughs) (laughs) people are are people want that they want that experience yeah i think that's really beautiful what you just ended on there is that people want this and so we need to not close them off from it and to be open to receive and i know that right we all have the ego that gets in the way of that you know which that narrative right that's telling you you're being annoying but But yeah, yeah. that lovely little voice of self-doubt and then um, that's going to tell you you can't do because, you know, you don't have this, you don't have that. Uh, I was going to ask you if you had any last pieces of advice, but you Um, shared a lot of advice, but. My top three, um, invest in yourself, learn as much as you can. You are your priority. So, you know, if there's something that's come up, if there's a course or something that you really feel like you need, invest in yourself, get it. Um, when it comes to your book, if you're on a budget and you have to choose on what you want to spend your budget on, go with your cover art first and then your edit team second, because you can always go back and edit your book after the fact, after you've seen the sales. Um, and thirdly, um, you have value. Your work has value. Don't let anybody tell you it doesn't because the naysayers will be naysayers. The negative energy does not belong in your goals. So 
that would be my three top three pieces of advice. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And where can people catch up with you? Um, they can catch up with me on my website, um, www.patriciabates.com. Um, I am on Facebook um, as uh, Patricia Bates Romance Author. Uh, they can also find me on Instagram, same handle, Patricia Bates Romance Author. And uh, they can also find me over on my podcast channel, Adventures in Self-Publishing. They can find me on my blog, distinctauthors.wordpress.com. And if they sign up for my newsletter, then they will we'll be having coffee every other week. <laughs> That's great. Thank you so much, Patricia. Thank you so very much for having me. I, I had a blast. I hope that conversation helps change your minds about marketing from something that is big and scary to something that is not only doable, but has the potential to transform your writing career. So here are the top takeaways. Number one, marketing is not a mountain to climb, but a rocket that can help you steer your career to new heights. Number two, newsletters are one of the best ways to connect with readers and sell books. Write them like you are writing to a friend. Number three, track your marketing analytics so you know what the ROI is for each tactic and can figure out what to keep doing and what to let go of. Number four, the three top ad platforms for running book ads are Amazon ads, Facebook ads, and BookBub. Number five, if you want to make money in this business, write about what people want to read. Writing to market is not a bad thing. Number six, value what you do or no one else will. Number seven, learn as much as you can. Marketing is always changing, so invest in yourself so that you can evolve with it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope one or two of those tips resonated for you and is something that you can put into action. If you'd like to be entered into a draw for one of Patricia's books, sign up for my newsletter before February 28th. I also have a feedback form. I'd love to hear what you think about the show, what you want to hear more of, or you can just message me on Instagram or Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, if you'd like to join the conversation with the These Mums Write community, you can join our Facebook group where you can talk to people like Patricia and me and other writing mums. We'll be hosting some events in the coming months, so definitely you want to join so you don't miss out on that. And as always, please remember to like, subscribe, review this podcast on Apple or Spotify. That really helps me out. I love you guys. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.